Amen. That's the message. Resisting the enemy is the title. Most of us, instead of resisting the enemy, we try to resist God. You know, that's the compli complicated uh, part that every Christian goes through. They're, they're confused and they don't know which way to move on because they resist God instead of resisting the enemy. So God is calling us to resist the enemy and he will flee. It's all in resisting the enemy. But unfortunately, many of us, we are resisting God instead of resisting the enemy. God has called us to live a victorious life. Jesus said in John chapter 10 verse 10, I have come so that they might have an abundant life. So Christ came with a purpose. Christ came and gave up his life and went on the cross, shed his blood, paid a heavy price for us to live an abundant life, a life filled with joy, a life filled with peace and prosperity. Amen. But unfortunately, many Christians are not experiencing that abundant life that Christ came to give us. Many are living a life filled in depression, filled in fear, anxiety, because of the constant attack of the enemy. Because of the attacks of the enemy, we are living in this uh, life of depression, anxiety and fear of the unknown. We are living not in a life where Christ came to give us a life of abundance and life of peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. We are not experiencing that abundant life is because we are resisting God more than resisting the enemy. I received uh, two different calls from two of our sisters in the Lord as they both were struggling with their respective spouses. I don't want to go into all the details, but what I got to know from both the sisters are they struggling with their spouses and there is no peace. They don't listen and it's affecting my peace is what they said. And you know, if you know, if you understand church, most of the enemy that attack us are through our loved ones. The enemy comes and attacks us through our loved ones. The ones who are very close to us, the enemy will use them to attack us. It could be our children, it could be our parents, it could be our relatives, it could be our spouse, it could be anybody who is close to us. Why do I say that? It's because Jesus himself said that in Matthew chapter 10, verse 36, Jesus said, Our enemies will be the members of your own household. Matthew chapter 10, verse 36 says that the enemies will be the members. Sometimes the enemy, uh, the, Satan uses them to attack us, to take away our peace, to take away our joy, to take away our uh, finances. Amen. So I remember this sister, she called me and she said, my, my children are doing drugs. I don't know what to do. I have, they're stealing money. I, I don't know what to do, Shiba. And I, I said, well, you have to pray. And that's the work of the enemy. He uses our children to come against us, to attack us, to take away our peace and joy. Because that's what Jesus said. The enemies will be the members of your own household. Amen. So these two sisters said, I have no peace because my husband is making wrong choices. And those wrong choices are affecting me, affecting my peace, affecting my finances, affecting our walk in God. Amen. So God, the devil, Satan, uses the people who are very close to us to attack us. Amen. To attack us, to take away our peace, to
to take away our joy. And that's what he does in John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus said the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's on job 24 by 7. His job is to kill, steal, and destroy. Amen. But Jesus said, but you will find peace and comfort only in him. That's what he said. Come to me and I will give you rest. Amen. Come to me, I will give you peace. Because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's our comforter. He was, he's our counselor. He will counsel us. He will give us advice, good advice. He will show us which path to take. Amen. That's what you'll find that in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. It says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Amen. Thank God that we have Christ in our life that we can, you know, run to Him. But unfortunately, many Christians, instead of running to Christ, we are running to the world to get advice. We are running to the world to get peace. We are running to the world to get counsel, advice, instead of running to Christ. And that is the reason we are not experiencing the abundant life that Christ came to give us. Amen. He says in John chapter 16, verse 33, In me you will have peace. Amen. That's what Jesus said. In me, you will have peace. You might try to find peace in the world. You might get the peace for a little while. But it's not going to be permanent. It's not going to give everlasting joy. Amen. And it's also going to have side effects. Amen. So you're not going to find everlasting peace in the world. You can find everlasting peace only in Christ Jesus. Amen. Jesus overcame the world. He has already defeated Satan on the cross. He has defeated a life of depression, anxiety. Everything has been defeated on the cross. So why are we not living in that victory? Is because we are not claiming that victory in Christ. Because most of the time we are resisting God instead of resisting the enemy. Amen. Christ came to give us abundant life. He said, I have come so that they might have abundant life. A life filled with joy, peace and happiness and prosperity. But people are not experiencing it. It is because we are resisting Jesus instead of resisting God. How are we resisting Jesus? Is by our constant disobedience to his word. It is only in his word, that is the Bible, we can achieve victory in every area of our lives. Amen. So if you are resisting Christ, how do you expect God to you know, bless your life or to break the shackles of Satan in your life. He cannot work because you are resisting God. God is the one who goes before us to fight our enemies. But if you are resisting him, he cannot fight our battles. Matthew chapter 7 verse 24, Jesus said, Anyone who listens and follows me is like a house on the rock. If you listen to the teachings of Jesus, he's telling, you will be like a house on the rock. Let's go there in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27. Let me read this to you. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows, it is like a wise person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is a foolish 
like a person who built a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Amen. So Christ is telling, don't just listen to what I'm saying, but follow what I'm saying you to do. If you follow my teaching, you'll be like a house on the solid rock. Your foundation is going to be strong. And when the torrents of life, the rain of life, uh, the problems of life, that when they come like a flood, you will still be standing because you're standing on the solid rock named Jesus Christ. Amen. So many of us are not standing on that solid rock. is because we are resisting God. We're resisting his commandments. Amen. A very good example is David. If you remember the story of David fighting Goliath. Why did David win the battle? It was because he was so strong in the Lord that he was able to easily defeat a giant named Goliath with a, a small, with just one smooth stone. It was not that stone church that defeated Goliath, but it was David's faith, his trust, his confidence and his love for God that helped him achieve that victory. He was just a boy. Boy is a 14-year-old child, a 14-year-old kid standing in front of a Goliath. I mean, I'm sure he's about six feet. And he's able to go and fight Goliath while the whole army uh, of Israel, the whole army of Saul, King Saul, couldn't fight because they were gripped by fear. Instead of trusting God, they were trusting in, uh, they were fearing the enemy. But look at this little boy, 14-year-old boy. He went and fought Goliath because he was strong in the Lord. He was strong in his faith in the Lord. He had strong trust in the Lord. He had strong confidence in the Lord. And because of that, he achieved this victory. Unfortunately, many Christians are not able to fight the Goliaths of our lives is because of our lack of faith and trust in God. Amen. We are not deeply grounded and rooted in God because we are resisting God. Amen. It says in Jeremiah chapter 17 and verses from 7 to 8, it says, But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a river bank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. So that's what Jeremiah says. Uh, God was speaking through Jeremiah, the prophet, that those who trust in the Lord are blessed. They are like trees planted along a river bank, the roots that reach deep into the water. So the such trees are never bothered with the heat and never bothered with the drought. Or famine because they're always fresh and green because the roots are deep down in the river bank so if your roots are not deep down in God you cannot withstand the torrents of life that's what Jesus said if you're listening to my messages if you're listening to my teachings but if you don't follow them you're like that house that is on the sand instead of being on the rock because when you're on the sand, it cannot stand the torrents of waves of life. Amen. So he's comparing to a tree, those who trust in God, a tree planted by the river bank whose roots are deep down 
and it gets the nourishment from the river bank. That's how God is. When you're deep down grounded and rooted in his word, the Bible, you will be like those trees. You will be like that house on the solid rock. Amen. So David won the battle because his roots were deep down in God. Amen. Just a 14-year-old kid was able to win such a big uh, victory. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. David had strong faith in God as I just shared. He had strong faith in God and that helped him, helped him to achieve victory over Goliath. So the word says in Romans 10 17, Faith, where does this faith come? If you have the fight, if you have to fight the Goliaths of your life, your faith muscles has to be strong, church. If your faith muscle is not strong, you can never win any battle in your life. What are those faith muscles? We are spiritual being. Amen. We are spirit being because God is spirit. We are spirit being. So we have to fill ourselves with the word of God. And that increases our faith muscles. Just like food is important for our body, so is the word of God important for our spirit. Amen. I mean, you cannot live without food for more than after three days for more than three days if you're if you go without food for more than three days or you know sometimes they say scientifically you can go without food for 40 days but beyond that you will starve to death you cannot so is the spirit amen the spirit cannot live without the word of god for a long time that is the reason we have to build our spirit, especially our faith muscles, to fight the torrents of life. We need to build our faith like David. And how does the faith come? It comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Amen. So we have to hear the word of God. We have to read the word of God. It's not in listening to the preachers. It's not listening to the podcast. It's not listening to great pastors, preachers. No, it's directly reading the word of God. You get your faith. I mean, they are good. It's good to listen to the messages, listen to the preaching. It's very good. But more important is being grounded and rooted in the word of God. Amen. Many want to listen, but they don't implement. They don't put into action whatever they read in the word of God. Because remember, church, faith without action is dead. Abraham had faith and he put it in action. And because of that, he was blessed. Not only him, but his whole family, his generations and generations and generations till date are blessed because of Abraham's faith and his faith in action. Amen. So many want to listen to the word of God, but they don't implement. And that was a concern with Jesus. Jesus said, you listen to me, but you're not doing what I'm calling you to do. It says in James chapter 1 and verse 22 it says but don't just listen to God's word you must do what it says otherwise you're only fooling yourself for if you listen to the word and don't obey it is like glancing at your face in mirror you see yourself walk away and forget what you look like but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard then God will bless you for doing it. Amen. So James is comparing the word of God to a mirror. 
Amen. So it's like looking at the mirror. You see all the flaws. The mirror will show you all the flaws. And you just uh, ignore it. You don't do anything about it. So is the word of God. You read the word of God. You listen to the word of God. But if you don't implement what the word of God is telling you to do. It's like you watching the mirror. And it shows the flaws but you don't clean the flaws. Amen. That's what Jesus is telling. Don't just listen to the word of God but do what it says. And so also James is mentioned here in James chapter 1 verse 22 to 25. That we have to put into action what we are reading. Amen. And because we are not reading. We are reading but because we are not implementing. Our faith is growing weak. And because of that, we have no power of God in us left anymore to resist the enemy or to resist the temptations of the enemy. Amen. We are called to resist the temptations. We are called to resist the enemy. And that's the title of my message. To resist the enemy. Only by building our faith, we can resist uh, the enemy. We can resist his temptations. Amen. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, Jesus said, Watch and pray that you don't fall into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Amen. So Jesus called the disciples to pray, but they couldn't control their sleep. And they slumbered and they fell asleep. I think Jesus uh, reminded them three times to watch and pray. To watch and pray. And that is what Jesus is calling us, church. We are called to pray every day. Because without praying, you cannot win the battles of life. It is very important to pray and it is very important to get grounded in the word of God. Only in ground, being grounded in prayer and in the word of God, you can resist the attacks of the enemy. You can resist the temptations of the enemy. Amen. He's saying that resist, uh, he's saying, watch and pray that you don't fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So we have to make our flesh weak and our spirit strong. If we make our flesh strong, then the spirit has no chance to remain strong. If the spirit is weak, you cannot resist the enemy. You cannot resist the temptations. Amen. Only in strengthening your spirit muscles, you can fight and win the battles of life. Amen. Peter is warning us to be careful but with the enemy. Many Christians take it so easy. But actually Peter is warning us to take and be careful about the enemy. If you go to 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8 it says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stay, stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Amen. So Peter the great apostle is warning the church by telling us to stay alert. Verse 8, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So he's telling us to stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Amen. It all boils down to your faith, church. If you're not strong in your faith, you cannot attack. Uh, the enemy, you cannot resist the enemy. Amen. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, Humble yourselves before God, 
Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Amen. So how can we resist the enemy? Amen. The only way we can resist the enemy, the attacks of the enemy, the temptations of the enemy is by humbling ourselves before God. Amen. We have to humble ourselves. That's what he's saying in James chapter 4 verse 7. Humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Only in humbling ourselves before God. How do we humble ourselves before God? By coming to God with a humble spirit. Let's saying, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I don't have strength to fight the attacks of the enemy. Lord, I need your strength. Help me, Lord. That is called humbling yourself before God. And when you do that, he will give you the strength to fight the enemy. Amen. He will give you the wisdom to fight the enemy. He will counsel you. He will strengthen your faith. Amen. So it's telling us when you humble yourself before God, the devil will flee. All the attacks of the enemy that is coming to you through your family, through your spouse, through your children, everything will come to a standstill because God is going to give you the strength and God is going to fight the battles. And it only depends on us humbling ourselves before God. Unfortunately, many instead of resisting the devil, are busy resisting God. That's the reason we see many empty chairs in the church. That is the reason we are seeing many empty people, I mean not many people on the conference today. Because we are resisting God. God wants to do something great in our life, but we are not allowing God to do what He wants to do in our life. One very good example is Herod the Tetrarch. We'll find that in Mark. Uh, chapter 6 and verse 20. If you all know Herod, the Tetrarch, the one who beheaded John the Baptist, even he was resisting God. You'll find that in Mark chapter 6 verse 20. It says that for Herod respected John and knowing that he was a good and a holy man, he protected him. Herod was greatly disturbed whenever he talked with John. But even so, he liked to listen to him. So the question is, why was Herod disturbed? It says that Herod, Herod was disturbed every time he listened to John the Baptist. Why was he disturbed? He was disturbed in his spirit because God was convicting, convicting him of his sin. He was living in sin and when John spoke to him and told him to repent of his sin, that was bothering him. Amen. That convicted him. It's very important, church, that we listen when somebody tells us to repent. Don't get hard-hearted against such people because God is using them to convict you that you're doing wrong and you have to repent and get back with God. Sometimes it, it may come through your pastor. Sometimes it may come through your, through your uh, mother or father or, or relative or somebody who is walking closely with God. They might come and tell you, my brother, you're, you're going in the wrong direction. You're living in sin. You should repent and turn around back to God. Amen. And many people get offended with the word repent. And this word was convicting Herod. And it says that he was troubled. He was troubled because he was resisting God instead of resisting the devil. Amen. It's, you know, one of the sisters, she has been coming to a church for quite a while. And she received the promise of God. She was looking for a house for many, many years. She didn't have a house for four years. That's what she said. And she called the pastor and she said, Pastor Jose, I don't have a house. 
I don't know what to do. My family is throwing me out of the house. I need your help. So pastor said, well, you have to walk with God. You have to start doing the things you were doing before. Because she stopped coming to church. She stopped coming on the conference. And she went away from God. And she was living in sin. Living in disobedience to God's word. And she was struggling financially, emotionally. But she made up her mind to come to church. God gave her a word. And she got the house the same day. And God blessed her. And now where is she is the question. She's not coming to the church. She's not coming on the conference. And that's the problem. Amen. So all the promises that God had for her life is on standstill right now. She called me a couple of weeks back and she said, Sheba, I don't know. God promised me. gave me so many words, prophecies. It's not coming to pass. But I said, sister, you're not coming to church. You're not doing what God is calling us to do. It's very important that you go to church every Sunday, church. Because the word of God says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, Worship the Lord on the Sabbath day. Six days a week you can work, but keep the Sabbath day holy. Amen. That is Sunday for us. Because Christ resurrected on the Sabbath day. And that is the resurrection Sunday. And we are called to worship God because that's his commandment. And if you're going against his commandment, against his word, that itself is a disobedience to God's word. And that itself is a big sin. Amen. So if you're living in sin, how do you expect God to fulfill all the promises that he has made for your life? It's impossible. Amen. God is a promise keeping God, but he expects obedience from us too. He doesn't want us to live in sin because God cannot bless sin. Amen. So all the promises of God for the sister has been put on still. It says in Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, For God who began a good work will continue until it is finally finished. So God has began a good work in our life. And we have to allow God to finish what he has started in our life. Amen. We get excited with one little uh, miracle and we say, Oh Lord, thank you. And we just say, Bye-bye. Bye-bye, God. I don't need you anymore. Amen. And we just give up on God because we got our miracle and we don't need God anymore because we got what we wanted. Amen. That is not what God is looking for. He is looking for children who are faithful till the end. That is the kind of people he is looking for. Not the kind of people who will take God as a spare tire. as God as a genie in the bottle. You know, you command the genie and he comes and fulfills the wish. God doesn't work like that, church. He wants children who are consistent in their walk, faithful in their walk with him till their last breath. Because this is not our permanent home. Our permanent home is in heaven. Amen. We have to work towards that. Amen. So we have to be consistent and allow God to finish what good he has started in our life. I remember I, I received a call from a sister from uh, California, I think, a couple of weeks back. And she had asked me to pray for a healing in her lungs. And we prayed and God healed her. And right away I invited her to join us for our Sunday service. And I said, sister, do join us because God wants to do something. And I, I was surprised. She said, well, I'm waiting on God. And she hung up the phone. And then the Lord spoke to my spirit and he said, She's saying that she's waiting on me. In fact, I am the one who's waiting on her. Amen. That's the same for every one of us, church. 
We think that we are waiting on God, but most of the time, 90% of the time, God is the one who's waiting for us. Because that's what his word says in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, that God is waiting per, uh, patiently, hoping that no one, uh, waiting that everyone will come to repentance. God is patiently waiting that one day my child will turn back to me and repent and walk faithfully with me. Amen. So God is waiting patiently. Amen. So she is resisting God mostly because of unbelief. Amen. Most of us, we resist God because of lack of faith in God, because of lack of uh, trust in God. And it's all mostly because of unbelief. Amen. I mean, Jesus himself was surprised. You can find that in Matthew chapter 13 and verses 58. It says, Matthew chapter 13 and verse 58, it says, And so, and they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. So the people in Nazareth, they rejected Jesus. So you can imagine, this all the miracles Jesus did, but they still rejected him. And it says in verse 57, And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own family. And he did, and so he did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. Amen. So Jesus couldn't perform many miracles in Nazareth, the place where he was born. Uh, I'm sorry, the place where he lived his childhood. He couldn't perform many miracles, unfortunately, because of their unbelief. They saw Jesus doing miracles after miracles, but still they had unbelief. Amen. That is the reason many didn't experience the miracles of Jesus. Amen. Most of us, we resist God instead of resist the enemy because of our hardened, rebellious heart. Many of us, many Christians have a hardened, rebellious heart. Amen. Very good example are the Israelites. They were so rebellious. They saw the miracles of God. He provided them food from heaven. He was a shed in the day uh, through clouds and he was a pillar of cloud and a pillar of light in the dark. He provided them food from heaven, the manna and the water from rock. He divided the Red Sea. He did so many great miracles, but Israel still had a hardened, rebellious heart. It was just a 10 days journey to the promised land, but it turned around to be a 40 years of wilderness and unfortunately none of them made it to the promised land except to Joshua and Caleb because Joshua and Caleb didn't have a hardened heart they were faithful faithful and obedient to God because of that they were able to make it to the promised land whereas the rest of the camp didn't make it to the promised land they perished in the wilderness amen so we are called to be careful that we don't have a hardened heart church we you know this is an example that we don't follow in the footsteps of the israelites amen it says in hebrews chapter 3 verses from 7 to 12 it says this is why the holy spirit says today when you hear his voice don't harden your hearts as israel did when they rebelled when they tested me in the wilderness there your ancestor tested and tried my patience 
even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. So I was angry with them and I said their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Verse 12. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. Amen. So this is what the author of the book of Hebrews has mentioned in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 to 12, that because of their hardened heart, because of their rebellious heart, they couldn't make it to the promised land. They didn't enter the land of rest. The land of rest is a place where you experience an abundant joy, peace and prosperity. And that is what Jesus came to give us in John chapter 10, verse 10. He said, I came that they might have abundant life, a joy filled with peace, happiness and prosperity. And many Christians are not experiencing just like the Israelites. It's because many Christians are doing exactly what the Israelites did. Having a hardened, rebellious heart. Amen. So as I said about this sister, God healed her. She saw a mighty miracle of God. Not only God blessed her with a house, she had complication in her, in her leg. She had swelling and the doctors uh, took an x-ray and they said that she has some blood clots and we might have to amputate her leg. And she cried out to God when she came to church. We all, brothers and sisters, we prayed for her, anointing her with oil and God healed her. She went back to the hospital and the doctors were shocked and surprised to see that they couldn't find any clots. That was purely a miracle of God. Amen. So God did such great miracles. So where is she now is the question. She was supposed to be in the house of God, glorifying God, thanking God, walking faithfully in God. But she's backsliding. And so is the condition of many Christians. They're backslidden. They've seen the miracle of God. But down the line, they, they, they stop walking faithfully, continuously with God. And there is a reason they're not reached the promised land. Just like the Israelite. A land filled with joy and peace that Jesus came to give us. Amen. That is happening because we are resisting God instead of resisting the enemy. Hebrews chapter 3, the same chapter, verse, verse 14, it says, For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to God. Amen. So it's telling if we are faithful to the end, till the end we have we are called to be faithful church. Amen. Trusting God till the end. And that is when we will receive victory in every area of our life. Amen. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 38. God is saying, but I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away from me. It's a warning. Very clearly it says in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 38. Let me go there. Hebrews 10 and verse 38 says, And my righteous ones will live by faith, but I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. Amen? So I will take no pleasure is what God is telling us if you are turning away from me. You have seen my miracles, you have seen my healing power, and you still are not willing to continue walking with me till the end. Because of that, I am going to turn away from you. Amen? 
Many people don't experience a breakthrough in their situations because they are resisting God instead of resisting the enemy and the temptations of the enemy. A very good example is Saul. King Saul, he resisted God. God blessed him. God anointed him to be the first king of Israel. Amen. He had a great call in his life to lead the nation of Israel as a king. But he resisted God. Instead of being obedient to God, he resisted God. We'll find that in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses from 10 to 23. I'm going to read this to you. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a mountain monument to himself. Then he went on to Gilgal. When Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I have carried out the Lord's command. Then what is all the bleating of sheep and goats and the lowing of cattle I hear? Samuel demanded. It's true that the army spared the best of the sheep, goats and cattle, Saul admitted. But they are going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We have destroyed everything else. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop, stop. Listen to what the Lord told me last night. What did he tell you? Saul asked. And Samuel told him, Although you may think of yourself, you are, are you not the leader of the tribe of Israel? The Lord has anointed you the king of Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, Go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder? and do what was evil in the Lord's sight. But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agar, but I destroyed everyone else. Amen. So he was making excuses. God had called the King Saul to destroy everything, including the sheep and the goats and the every herds and the livestock of the Amalekites. But what did King Saul do? He didn't kill everyone. He spared the sheep and the goats and the livestock and the king. He disobeyed God. And because of that, that, that God was grieved. <coughs> and he sent prophet Samuel to warn King Saul that he's disobeyed God. Amen. And this is what he says in verse 22. But Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices? Or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fats of ram. Verse 23, rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshipping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Amen. So God rejected Saul as king of Israel is because of his disobedience to God's word. Amen. God calls us sometimes to do certain things. And we say, Lord, 
you know, we, we do the other way. And instead of doing what God is calling us to do, we disobey God. So you can clearly see that Saul was resisting God by his disobedience instead of resisting the enemy. Amen. It says in verse 23, Rebellion is sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshipping idols. So that is how many Christians are. We are stubborn. We are set in our ways. We don't want to move from that uh, area in our life. We want to do as and how we like. And we don't want to humble ourselves before God. So that is what it says that rebellion is sinful as a witchcraft. If you are rebelling against God, if you are rebelling against the conviction that God is speaking to our heart, to tell, telling us, my sister, my, my daughter, my son, you, you need to stop doing that. And we, we crush and we just ignore. And it says that such ignorance, unrepentant heart, leads to a rebellion heart. And a rebellion is sinful as a witchcraft. And stubbornness is bad of worshipping idols. So God cannot stand rebellion and, and stubbornness. It says that in this next chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 14, it shows the condition of the king Saul. And it says, Now the spirit of the Lord left Saul, and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. Amen. Because Saul disobeyed God, resisted God, it says that the spirit of God left Saul, and the spirit of depression and fear took control of Saul. He was living in depression. He was always living in fear. Amen. So these are tormenting spirits that take our life because we have resisted God. So we are not able to resist the enemy. Amen. That is a condition that we have to sit down and analyze. Are we resisting God or are we resisting the enemy? Ephesians chapter 5 verse 6 says, Don't make excuses for sin. For the anger of God will fall on them. I mean, Saul was making excuses. He was telling Samuel, Well, I did exactly what God told me to do, except for saving some of the sheep and goat. So he was making excuses. Instead of humbling himself and say, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, Prophet Samuel. I'm so sorry, please, Lord, forgive me. I repent of this disobedience I did. Instead of humbling himself immediately, he started making excuses. Amen. And it says in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 6 that don't make excuses for your sin. If you have sinned, repent right away. Amen. Because none of us are perfect. Everybody sins. Amen. But our we can be made right with God when we repent. Instead of repenting, he was making excuses. And that lead, led to a rebellious, hardened heart. Amen. And hardened heart will take us away from God. So we need to stop making excuses. It says in the same chapter, Ephesians 5, verse 10, he says, Understand what pleases God. We need to find out what is the thing that pleases God. Amen. The thing that pleases God is a, a repented heart, a humble spirit. Amen. Remember, church, disbelief, hardened heart, making excuses. <clears throat> <coughs> it will take us away from God. We need to avoid these three things. Disbelief, a hardened rebellious heart, and thirdly, making excuses for our sin. Because these three things will take us away from God. And we cannot resist the enemy anymore. Amen. 
James chapter 4 verse 7 says, Humble yourself before God, resist the devil and he will flee. So when you humble yourself before God, you will be able to resist the enemy and he will flee. How can you resist the enemy? It is because God is going to fight your battle. You don't have to fight your battle. Amen. It says in 2 Chronicles chapter, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 14 and verse 14 says, The Lord himself will fight for you. You just stay calm. Amen. So the Lord is telling the Israelites, you don't have to fight this battle. You just stay calm. I will go and fight your enemies. Amen. So when you're humbling before God, he himself will go ahead of us and stop the attacks of the enemy. Will stop the temptations of the enemy. Amen. So it is only in humbling before God we will achieve victory because God is going to fight your battle. Again in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 verse 15, God is saying, for the battle is not yours, but mine. Amen. The battle is not yours. It is all God's. Only God can fight the battle with the enemy and he can come out victoriously. That's the reason we have to put our faith and trust in God. Amen. So I encourage you, my church, to humble yourselves before God. For it's in God who will fight the battles for you. And you're going to come out victoriously. You know, God gave me this message because most of us, we are fighting our battles in our own flesh. We fight our spouses, you know, in our own flesh by verbally abusing them through anger. Amen. We, we fight our children by abusing them physically, by cursing them through our anger. And these are the things that quench the Holy Spirit. Amen. We cannot grieve the Holy Spirit. It says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So when you're fighting the enemy in your physical, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we have to leave the fight to God because God is going to fight our battles. What we need to do instead of fighting with our spouses, instead of fighting with our children, instead of fighting with our enemy, physically, we have to kneel down and ask God to fight our battles. Amen. Why do I say that? Because these are not physical battles. These are spiritual battles. You'll find that in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. It says we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against principalities and powers of the dark, dark world. Amen. As I said before the starting of the message, that the enemy uses them. To come and attack and take away our peace, our joy, our finances. That's how the enemy uses the one who are close to us to come against us, to take away our peace. So we cannot fight in the physical. It's a spiritual battle. That's the reason he's telling us we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of the dark world. So we have to fight a spiritual battle. Every battle that the child of God goes through is a spiritual battle. And we have to lean on the spirit. To fight the battle and come out victoriously like, like David who came out victoriously because his faith was strong. We have to build our faith muscles church. When we are strong in the Lord, the Lord is going to go and fight our battles. We don't have to do anything. Amen. So I'm going to close with this last scripture. It says in 1 Peter 5, 6, 5, 6 Humble yourselves before God. And he will lift you up at the right time. 
Amen. He will lift you up in honor at the right time. All you need to do is to humble yourself before God. Get grounded and rooted in His Word, the Bible. Spend more time in His Word. Because the more you spend time in God's Word, is going to rebuild your faith muscles. And when your faith muscle is strong, you can face any battle in your life. You'll be like that house on the, on the rock that Jesus shared. That you'll be the solid foundation that when the torrents of life come, you will still be standing. Because your foundation is on Christ. And Jesus said, don't just listen to my word, but follow me. Obey my commands. And you will be like that, that, that house on the rock. Don't just listen and just leave. Many Christians do that. They come to church, they hear the message, and the next moment when they're out of the church, they forget. Live alone implementing it. So we have, we can, should not, if, if you are like that, that means you are like the house on the sand which cannot stand the torrents of life. So we are called to be like the house on the solid rock. We have to build our life on the strong foundation called Jesus Christ and not just listen to his word, but follow what he is calling us to do. Amen. So that's the message.